0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the podcast. It's great to be joined by my favourite, two favourite co-hosts, Josh Gilbert and Ben Laidler. Gentlemen, how are we? Yeah, I'm very. Flattery's going to get Sam, you absolutely very... nowhere, Sam. Oh, We're damn. impervious to your charms. <laughs> Josh, what about for you? Does Flattery get get me anywhere?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. it comes with maybe like a chocolate biscuit or something, I'm yeah, down.
0: <laughs> well, I can I can get that arranged. I can get that yeah. arranged. Um, okay. Well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll whenever we meet up as a free for those regular listeners, they'll know what's coming. But uh, we've just finished the, the the first half of the year, which is just incredible. Saying that out loud, just how quick it's gone. Um, but yeah, when we get together, we talk about the retail investor beat. So I guess then the best place to start is, well, what is it? For those who uh, haven't joined for the previous two, whether that's been via podcast or on i on the YouTube channel, um, for those that don't know, what what exactly is the retail? What is
2: it? How can you ask that? It's not well, like I know global global <laughs> phenomenon. No, so uh, the so joking aside. I mean, this is a this is a pretty unique global survey. Uh, we go out to ten thousand DIY investors in fourteen countries. So, you know, US to Australia, you know, across Europe. Um, and the reason we do this is, you know, retail investors are more important to markets, you know, now than ever. Uh, and we want to keep a finger on the pulse of, of what they're thinking, what they're doing and, um, you know, any sort of country and regional sort of differences uh, that, uh, that, that that come out. Josh, what are you what are you most looking forward
0: to? Is there something that you're you're eager to listen to? So,
1: well, I think it's going to be definitely we're going to see some different results, especially from the Q1 uh, survey that we did. And I just think it's great to be able to go underneath sort of the hood of a retail investor, if you like, just to sort of really see into what they're thinking outside of you know maybe what we see from institutions, etc. Um, but I think probably for me, it would just be great to see how investors are positioning themselves in this environment. Um, you know, see if if they're standing strong, if they're you know maybe a bit of panic selling's coming in just really how, how they're sort of uh, holding up in in this bear market really
0: yeah gonna be super interesting um okay well look, let's get stuck into it um as usual when we do this we'll post the link well i'm pointing down here for those on youtube so it'll be somewhere in the comments but also for those listening uh via your podcast host we'll put it in the the comments section we'll put a link to uh, the blog and you can sort of follow as we go through uh, as well um but yeah let's uh let's get going and we'll start on on page three ben um why does retail matter
2: so as i say moving markets like never before um and this is i think a real structural shift right we've talked about this so investors taking more control of their financial futures you know leveraging the new tools that are out there you know the online platforms such as ourselves but you know the social media forum free trading fractional ownership you know et cetera et cetera and this is all all of course uh, just accelerated by the uh, pandemic, so you know, over a quarter of DIY investors, you know, in this survey, are new to markets in in the last in the last couple of years, and and we obviously see this in our own numbers, right? With the registered users more than doubling since the pandemic, um, and you know that gets us to a situation today where if you just take the US and equities, just as the example, um you know, US households have forty percent of their financial assets in equities, and that is double what the average that it's been since all the way back since, since Second World War. So, wow. um, again, you know, whether it's because of technology, whether it's because everyone's locked up at home during pandemic, probably, a co- you know, a combination of both, um, just retail investors in markets has really never been more important. And, you know, again, that's what that's why we're, um, that's why we did the survey and, and trying to keep our sort of finger on the pulse of, of, of what they're thinking, because I, I actually I do think it moves markets. Yeah
1: absolutely and it is great like you say to see such a big increase um in 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 retail investors you know this there's completely two ends of the spectrum right you have someone like my mum uh, who will never touch a stock probably in her life uh, hasn't and can't convince her to just loves it in the bank and then at the same time i have you know an 18 year old cousin who's just sort of really started to get his first job and earned himself a bit of money and all he wants to do is just buy stocks he just keeps messaging lie. me when when it, when are you coming up when when can i i want to get in what what should i buy etc so just shows sort of two ends of the spectrum and and like you say i think how it has changed for a generation especially coming through we'll probably get on to younger generation of investors in a moment but i think yeah it just shows how it has, how it has changed um And and unfortunately, um, for for most, they probably will be experiencing their first uh, sort of real correction and and bear market. And year to date, the S&P 500 is is just about crept out of of that territory. Um, You know, it's it's down just about 19 or so percent, um, but sort of really um, has come out of the 20 percent bear market territory. So what reaction are we seeing there, Ben, from the retail investor? You know, how resilient have they been? Is there anything that particularly stands out that, that was a um, you know, focus for you?
2: Right. So, so far, um, they've been a real market anchor. Um, they seem to have stuck to the investment plan and, and, and sort of held firm. So If you look at the numbers, only 8% have sold, 64% have held firm, and 28% have bought the correction. And then when you ask about the future investment plans, basically nearly 50% say they just plan to invest the same. Uh, and thirty percent actually plan to invest more. Um, so, what I think is going on here is I think you know the, the the advantage that many sort of DIY and retail investors have is time, right? They tend to be younger, yeah. um, they tend to have longer term investment horizons than you know than institutional investors, uh, and that means that um, they can sort of take this long view. And I think you know, I think this is real sort of investor dollar cost averaging yeah. in practice that we're seeing uh, to stay in the market for the upturn. Um, and and I think that's sensible right I mean we've talked before bull markets are four times bigger and four times longer than your average um, than your average bear market Uh, and if you keep sort of investing in those downturns you're going to get that better lower average price which is just going to set you up better for the um, for the longer term and I I think that's what's going on here. Yeah well done
0: retail i say 63.8% held on 28% bought more just eight percent sold there let's talk about that younger investor josh mentioned his his cousin there and uh I, I think it's phenomenal it's really really good that we're seeing this rise in the retail investor but also the younger investor too however ben when we sort of deep in when we go into focusing it is there is there a much difference between you know
2: the the young investor and and say the older the the uh more experienced All right, so there is so nearly half of younger investors so 18 to 34 are new to markets uh, in the recent years so you know pretty dramatic numbers uh, mm-hmm. and this is great to see um you know it gives you a really good shot at building wealth uh, over time as as the phrase goes it's time in the market not timing the market that that really matters and if you're starting sort of 18 to 34 then you've got you know 30 40 50 years to um uh to to to, to really build that wealth and and give you a shot at navigating all these sort of market cycles. Um, But, you know, when you look at the differences, uh, they tend to be more risk tolerant, which is not a big surprise, given that they have that longer time horizon to manage the risk because they own more crypto. Um, They've disproportionately bought this uh, sort of market dip. Uh, They tend to be more tech savvy. Again, maybe not a big surprise. They tend to use online platforms a lot more for investing. Uh, They tend to be a lot more bullish on on, on tech stocks, probably because they understand them more. Um, and and they do have somewhat different investment goals. Um, you know, they're really focused on financial independence um, rather than sort of explicit retirement. Um, they take ESG, so environmental, social, and governance issues, you know, more seriously. They tend to be um, they tend to like thematic investing, you know, a lot as well. So, you know, I wouldn't overly generalize, but there, there are definitely you know a number of sort of pretty key differences amongst young younger cohorts for investors
1: yeah absolutely i think that financial independence probably comes from from instagram because uh everybody <laughs> sells you the dream on there and you could probably be retired in in six months you could probably speak to sam sam has a few people uh, that try to uh, imitate him but uh maybe nice. that's for, for another day but yeah like you say, i think there's just you know in this generation now it's about you know maybe not working until you're you know 50 60 whatever and, and trying to retire much early much earlier so i think you know we're seeing those younger investors try to set themselves up as, as early as they can um, you know, and and on that note, I think I remember actually the last time we ran through this data, um, we actually had a, had a good conversation about the female, uh, investor and they were actually superior when it came to investing, um, which, which many probably liked, is that still the case in this new set of data, Ben, um, is, is the future still female or are we getting better at investing?
2: <laughs> well, I don't want to personalize this, Josh, um, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Uh, Time will tell, but, you know, we're certainly seeing um, uh, a lot more women starting to invest. So if you just look at the numbers here, you know, 29% of women have only started investing in the last few years. That is, you know, 6% more than men. So not an insignificant number. Um, And basically what I think we're seeing is, you know, women already very involved in sort of family financial decision making. And those roles are sort of broadening, if you like, a little bit to... um, um, to, to to the investment world, um, and similar to the younger young investors, um, they and I'm going to generalize here, right? But um, you know they tend to have you know somewhat different investment traits than uh, you know the, the men, which when you look at them tend to give them better investment returns over time. Uh, so they trade less frequently uh, than men. Uh, they take a longer term investment view than men. Um, they have a somewhat lower risk appetite. So you know they own less crypto, for example. Um, and they also have somewhat different investment goals. You know, they're more open to ESG. Uh, they own less energy stocks, which you know I've done great recently, but haven't done very well over you know uh, longer term. So again, you put that together: the longer term investment view, the, the the less trading. The you know I'm in markets, but slightly lower, but you know in less um, to sort of higher risk assets, and that tends to compound a little bit better um, uh, over time. Uh, certainly historically, we'll see when this correction is over and done, what the what the actual numbers look like.
0: Let me just write these notes down, trade less frequently and look longer term and have a lower risk appetite. That's that's what I've been do doing that. wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's great. And actually, I, I, I said this last time, but there will be people that are tuning in for the first time. When I used to mentor and risk manage traders, day traders, uh, you know, per person, the, the, the female did a lot better because of those reasons there. So there is something in that data and, and something to really Really, have a little look at um as we enter a really intriguing time now for market second half of the year what are we seeing the retail investor doing when it comes to what they're investing in and and can we go through sort of all these asset classes when we can go sort of go one by one but specifically if we focus on i don't know cash and and currencies are we seeing anything worth reporting there
2: so i think investors have been very logical as we say as we said earlier right they're basically staying invested uh, but they are becoming a bit more defensive, uh, and I think that's probably the right thing to do. Right, the risks are going up. We may be going into recession. We certainly have a lot of inflation, um, and you're seeing people basically responding to that. So you're seeing the sort of higher risk asset classes, you know, like equities and crypto, becoming a little bit less popular, and things like cash um, becoming more popular. It's now the second most favoured asset class um and that sort of makes sense at the margin right interest rates are going up you're getting some money on your cash maybe not a lot but you're getting some for the first time in a very long time mm. and and certainly falling equity markets are making it you know relatively uh, more attractive uh, you've also seen currencies becoming more attractive um the us dollar was basically of all the major asset classes was the only one you actually made money in in the second quarter um so i think that also may have uh, uh, may have something to do with it. Those were the I think the, the, the big changes. I mean equities are still the most popular sort of asset class, but obviously yeah. being sort of trimmed back. Um as I say similar to um similar to crypto um and um yeah cash and, and currencies were the two were the two winners.
1: Yeah, and I guess we can we can obviously see that you know people are becoming more uh, to to use a, a better word more invested in their portfolios than they have been uh, over maybe previous years. I mean you know going back m- maybe people would only check their portfolio um, every few months, but I think right now it's probably an everyday sort of job. You're and... you're an
0: everyday person aren't
1: you josh you oh, up to, yeah if, <laughs> yeah i think you can't i think being in this industry you can't not like if, if i see the nasdaq's up one percent i want to check to see how my stocks did overnight so <laughs> um, i'm gonna see it anyway so i may as well check how it's going but also at the same time uh, you know i probably know what's happened anyway so i don't yeah. know why i even put myself through it but um you know I guess staying on that same theme then of what they're investing in um Ben do we have any sort of sector preferences from these investors in this current market and and do we think that that preference has changed at all from the survey that we had in q1
2: so it's all about commodities and it's all about these sort of traditional defensive sectors so energy has stayed as the most popular sector um, which was a big change last quarter um and, and it's and it's a bigger issue than things So like this is one of the smallest sectors in the market and yet investors are telling you it's their biggest allocation right so i think you've got to be a little bit it makes sense you know energy's been doing well you know even with the sort of pullback the recent pullback commodities is still the only asset class which is um uh, which is up this year and it's up a lot but i think you've got to just got to be a little bit careful that you don't or, you know have too much i mean diversification uh, is still king um so that's one um, the the other one is is these traditional defensive sectors, um, which again, as markets become a bit more volatile, recession risks are rising, inflation risks are rising. How do I protect my equity portfolio uh, in that environment? You look at those types of sectors, so utilities, healthcare, consumer staples, that are, are resilient to those things, where you know we're still going to be buying all those things, whether we're in recession or not. Uh, the cash flows are you know are, are pretty solid and pretty visible. So again, those have been the sort of you know the big allocation winners over the last um over the last quarter and and where's the money been coming from uh, you've just seen a continued sell down in, in anything tech related so it uh, communications um consumer discretionary these sort of tech heavy sectors um and and also sectors that are very sensitive to you think about consumer discretionaries sort of very sensitive to an economic slowdown you know we're probably not going to go and buy that car right if um uh, although you know there's big ticket purchases if um, if, if we're going for a recession or we're worrying about our job so so again, very sensible allocations, what you might expect, but yeah. also somewhat reassuring to see people actually doing it um, you know at the margin
0: yeah no, it really is to see interesting to see uh, now this will be interesting to see crypto you look i mean it's been a hard time for crypto as it has for many markets this year, but I'm super keen to see whether we've seen. A big change through the quarters for the retail investor. Is there many differences? Is it more popular, less popular, the same? You know, what's there to
2: report in 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 this sector, this this industry? Yeah, so it's become a bit less popular again. When you know you've just fallen seventy percent since uh, since since November, so probably not a massive surprise. Mm -hmm. But this is still the fourth best owned asset class out there. Twenty five percent of investors own crypto which, again, let's just take half a step back here. This is an asset class that did not exist a decade ago. Um, you know, more people own crypto than own commodities, than own currencies, et cetera, et cetera. So the numbers are still dramatic, even though they've, um, uh, even though they've sort of taken a step back. So I think that's interesting. Um, the other one is, I mean, we talked a little bit about sort of buying the dip and holding firm. That is really the case in crypto. So if you look at the crypto numbers, so 50% of investors have done nothing. They've just held on. Mm-hmm. Um, but a massive 40% of investors have basically been buying this dip. So, you know, people are looking back at, what is it? 16 Bitcoin corrections we've had in the last decade. uh, And we've sort of survived every single one of them, you know, looking at that history and, um, you know, taking a bit of comfort from that Um, and, you know, only 12% have sold. So I guess the sort of takeaway is people are sort of holding quite firm. Um, The other thing that's interesting was you look into the preferred cryptos, and then sort of compare them, if you like, to the sort of market dominance, right? So how big are they in terms of the yeah. overall market cap? Uh, There's definitely a preference for the sort of smaller altcoins and, and meme coins. So um, you know, Cardano, Dogecoin, you know, Solana, definitely relatively more popular. Uh, so again, I guess that's investors taking a sort of more contrarian, a little bit of a contrarian stance, which um, was also pretty interesting. Mm-hmm
1: i think I think, with that small percentage of of people selling, I think in the in the crypto industry, we call that diamond hands so i think <laughs> we talked we talked about the social element of retail investors earlier, and that's really playing through there
0: so so you uh, don't want diamond hands, is that correct?
1: No, you do want diamond hands oh, you do you okay. the the idea of diamond hands is that you don't sell okay got in, you holding got on you. Or, or hodl as they also say yeah i'm not I'm down not
0: with this that. this lingo i'm I'm clearly a bit too uncool. am glad we have josh on to educate us
1: all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you must be sam you spend a lot of time i've heard Twitter i've heard as
0: of as well. diamond so, hands so I, did, I just didn't know whether it was good or bad so i never wanted yeah. to admit i had these kind of hands you know
1: <laughs> yeah no it's it's good yeah and if you and to be honest if if we had um some bitcoin maxis listening to this i'm sure they'd probably be be quite happy so um but yeah uh look we have obviously talked uh, on the podcast uh, you know a fair bit about the sort of the massive rise that we've seen in in thematic investing um is it still as popular as ever um or is that slowing down a little bit ben you know we we've been very vocal about you know again how popular commodities have been and, and we spoke about that a little bit a moment ago um is that still the case? Are we still seeing commodities as the most popular investment opportunity through thematic investing? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, so they're, they're still pretty popular. I mean, um, if you look at the thematic side, so clean tech, so renewables remains by far the most uh, popular, um, mm-hmm. followed by sort of digital transformation, which is obviously very tech heavy, and that remains you know the second most popular theme, right? Despite tech being you know pretty much the worst performer this year and actually you know, renewables themselves haven't performed very well this year, which I also think is interesting, because, you know, we've written about it as maybe the one of the silver linings to this crisis, you know, these very high oil prices driving adoption, accelerated adoption of renewables. And that, you know, quite interesting in this environment where for different reasons, um, prices have sort of been selling off and, and, and coming down in the market. But what comes loud and clear from this survey is, um, you know, clean tech remains, you know, very popular, these sort of tech long term tech themes remain very popular. Uh, and then just switching gears, you know, commodities are sort of interesting, uh, because you know, it's pretty popular, but no one really knows what to own. So if you ask people, you know, what's what's your favourite commodity, it basically splits evenly between oil, precious metals, industrials and ag. So I don't know whether the takeaway is, everyone's just bullish on everything. <laughs> or, but, um, um, uh, but and the interest is unsurprising, right? It's a, the best forming asset class this year. It's a traditionally been a pretty good inflation hedge Inflation's still running eight, 9% globally. Um, I guess we've got some re- sort of recession concerns, demand concerns sort of thrown in sort of more recently, but you know, we've talked before that how just tight the supply side, supply side is, and, um, you know, maybe that allows, you know, commodities to uh, sort of ride this uh, sort of recession storm that we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Out to, and I actually find this specific area we're going to go to talk about now quite interesting. Each quarter, when we talk about the biggest concerns that these retail investors have right now, you know, has there a big, has there been a big shift quarter on quarter, or do the same problems for for retail investors still remain at the
2: moment? Well, so it's inflation 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 right that yeah. remains the major concern for most people it's uh, it's cited by 47 percent of investors as their biggest concern again unsurprising when inflation is running at eight nine percent in uh, certain us and europe um and that it's you know driving markets here because it's forcing central banks to aggressively raise interest rates um but um just to continue the good news story uh, you're also seeing people worrying more and more about the sort of economic environment yeah um both their sort of domestic economy, but also uh, the global economy. Uh, again, you know, maybe not surprising, right? It's the result of these high inflation, high interest rates is, um, um, you know, these, these slowing economies. And you've seen that come through loud and clear, but um, there's the bar. some pretty big buffers, <laughs> right? I've got to end it. it's a little bit of a good news story here, right? There are some buffers, you know, when you ask people, you know, people are very comfortable in their job security. So despite these rising recession fears, you know, people are pretty comfortable that um, they're going to keep their job, which, when we think about it from a macro standpoint means that they're they're probably going to keep spending and the consumer's in an okay place and et cetera, et cetera. So that I thought was interesting. And the other one, bringing it back to some of the earlier comments on investments, you know, over 70% of people are uh, comfortable with their investment plan and their investments today. Now that number's been drifting lower, but it's still a pretty chunky number given that, you know, markets are down. You know, equities are down 20%, and crypto is down 70%. but people are sort of sticking with the plan and still comfortable. So, um so yes, people are more worried about stuff. But uh, I think you have some sort of big buffers there. People are sticking to the investment plan. People feel reasonably comfortable, mm. you know, in their own personal situations, even if they're a bit more worried about the sort of stuff going on outside of their house.
1: All this education is paying off. People are <laughs> people are listening. Long-term investments. Yeah, long-term you know, term mindset. Not, yeah. Yeah, no not not emotionally panic selling, it's it's working chapters working. Yes. Um just having a look through the report as well, Ben there. Um do you think is there anything that stands out to you from sort of a ge- geographical standpoint? Um, you know, where the investors are coming from? Is there anything that also stands out about you know, maybe how long people have been investing for? Um and, and maybe even how often people are trading or investing um you know that sort of frequency there is there any any clear observations from that
2: so i would encourage people to have a look at the report obviously because i wrote it but the um (laughs) um, uh, there's just some you know there's some there's some really quirky data in there um you know if you're in romania so half of romanians of all age groups been investing for less than three years um and you compare that to the US, so that number's under 20%. So, you know, just yeah. huge geographic differences as, you know, the number of people that have got sort of more involved in markets. I mean, similarly, I mean, again, I'm just throwing random numbers around, but, you know, who's repositioned their portfolio? You know, if you sit in sort of Denmark, Sweden, you know, continental Europe, you've basically done nothing. Um, if you sit in Eastern Europe or actually even the US, um, more than half have actually made some big changes to their portfolio. So so again, there's there's, there's a lot of real geographic um, differences. But overall, I think the message is that it's a pretty sensible bunch. You know, many are new to markets. They're closely tracking their investments, uh, just like you, Josh. 31% are checking their investments daily, uh, but they're not over-trading, right? So 31% are checking them daily, but only 6% are trading daily. Clearly, that's all the men. <laughs> um, and, um, and and they're seemingly, you know, taking a reasonably long view on 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 all this
0: interesting yeah I was just having a a quick look at this page what is it 13 for those that that do follow and yeah absolutely do have a a little look through this for for those listening really interesting some of these stats um we we've reached the point where we we have to get you to summarize everything we've just gone through now Ben um in as little time as as possible so most people can go through the report but you know is there anything in particular that you would you would sort of like to say in in that summary
2: well, just, you know, there's a lot of surveys out there mm-hmm. on what institutional investors are thinking, you know, pension funds, hedge funds, you know, sovereign wealth funds, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's almost nothing out there on what D or DIY and retail investors are, are, are doing. And that I think is the importance of this, you know, as I said at the beginning, retail investors are more important to markets than they've ever been. And they're just not well understood. Uh, and they are different. And, and that's the point of this report. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I'd encourage everyone to to check that report
0: out. It's in the comment section of the podcast. We'll put it in the comment section or YouTube or the little bio, whatever the technical term is. It's uh, it's, it's not in my vocabulary right now. But uh, you can also head to the Toro Academy where you've got podcast guides, videos, everything that your heart desires, guides as well. And all the old podcasts uh, are up on one page there for you. Josh, Ben, it's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you as always, Sam. Thanks for joining Ben.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us. Take care, guys. Have a good one. You've been listening to Digest & Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.